smartcast you are listening to a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hello welcome to why not mint money i'm satyosh sundanam from mint's personal finance team in this episode we'll focus on the tax treatment and reporting of capital gains from equity investments including mutual funds when an equity share or a mutual fund unit is sold the difference between the sale price and the cost of acquiring that stock or unit will be taken as capital gains you will be liable to pay taxes on these capital gains in the year of sale which has to be reported in the income tax return it's not as easy as it sounds as you all know taxes come with a lot of conditions we attempt to decode that in this episode we have with us tapati ghosh partner at deloitte india let's welcome her hi Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. Davuti, hi, welcome to Why Not Mint Money episode. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hello, Satya. Thank you for having me here. The tax filing season is around the corner, Davuti. Uh, so we just want to focus this episode mainly on the tax treatment on the equity investments, including mutual funds and trading. So let's start with the you know IT forms. Uh, so what ITR is suitable to report capital gains or losses when somebody have uh, investments in stock markets or mutual funds? Uh, so, if you have capital gains, uh, you would need to use either a ITR two or an ITR three. So, ITR two is applicable for somebody who has a salaried income that has capital uh, gains, and ITR three is for those who have um, a business or professional income as well as capital gains. So, ITR two and ITR three. other two options now now what are the tax rules so how how is the sale of a uh, listed stock or a mutual fund unit taxed right i'm going to get into a little bit of a detail over here uh, to uh, give clarity to our uh, you know, viewers so the capital gain tra- uh, taxation on sale of listed stock and mutual uh, funds uh, it depends upon the type of uh, stock or the mutual fund scheme that you are invested in and the period of holding uh the listed stock could either be equity or debt while mutual funds can be classified into uh categories um two categories equity and debt oriented mutual funds so a mutual fund scheme that invests at least 65% of its corpus uh into indian equities or equity related instruments is the one that is classified as equity oriented uh, schemes for tax tax purposes um if uh, so there are two kinds of income that you can get out uh, of um, a such investment one is uh, the dividend income and one is capital gains and losses for the purposes of this uh, conversation we will uh, stay with or focus on uh, treatment of capital gains and losses arising out of sale of such listed uh, shares or redemption of mutual funds the other parameter that is going to be very important is the holding period uh, which uh, decides the rate of tax that you'll be paying on the capital gains and hence you know the capital uh, asset whether it's listed stock or uh, mutual funds they could be categorized into long term capital asset or short term capital asset right and since um, you know the tra- treatment is the same for liquid uh, uh, listed equity as well as equity oriented mutual funds we'll deal it uh, deal with it as one class 
without distinguishing between the two for the purposes of this uh, discussion. Now, uh, listed equity and equity-oriented um, schemes must be held for at least 12 months to be considered as long-term uh, capital asset. Um, and for the others, of course, uh, we're not dealing with uh, debt-oriented schemes uh, for now, but there uh, the limit, uh, the threshold is 36 months. Consequently, that the gains um, or losses that are arising out of sale redemption of such long-term capital assets would be treated as long-term gains or losses and short-term assets as short-term gains and losses. So that is, you know, uh, you know, categorizing what is short-term and what is long-term is uh, critical. So in a nutshell, uh, the rate of tax and the rule set depends on whether it's a long-term or a short-term gain or loss and whether the uh, asset is uh, that is held is a listed equity a stock or equity oriented uh, mutual fund or debt oriented mutual fund so we are uh, understand understand so equity even the stocks or the mutual fund units are uh, treated uh, in the same way when it comes to tax purposes and the period of holding that means uh, how long somebody has held the stock uh, is also yes. or should also be looked at uh, because the tax rates on the long term capital gains and the short term capital gains are different is different so if somebody okay. is holding the stock or the mutual fund for uh, less than one year then it is called a short term capital gain and if it is held for more than one year it is called long-term capital gain. Absolutely. So, now, uh, now, yeah, shall we go to the tax rates that are applicable on this? We go to the tax rates now. Uh, so, long-term capital gains on sale of equity shares or equity-oriented mutual fund schemes were originally um, exempt under Section 1038 uh, until 2018, uh, 2018. With the amendment in the Finance Act of 2018, today, for uh, long-term uh, capital gains on listed stock or equity-oriented schemes, they are taxed at 10% in excess of 1 lakh rupees as per Section 112. Can you explain that with an example? Uh, I mean, the surcharge is capped at 15% uh, over there. So to take an example, say I have um, held on uh, to the share uh, or uh, equity-oriented mutual fund for more than 12 months. Uh, I have a capital gain uh, which is calculated, um, uh, which uh, difference of sales consideration and my cost of acquisition. If that uh, tantamount is uh, say uh, 100, uh, 1 lakh 20, I deduct uh, 1 lakh and the 20,000 is uh, considered uh, as long-term capital gains to be taxed at 10%. A surcharge of 15% will be applicable on that. Understand. So, when is the surcharge applicable? Is it applicable for all the investors? For, for all investments for long term capital. Okay. Okay. So, uh, how about the now, short term capital? One, one uh, maybe a caveat in terms of the determination of the capital gains. If uh, the purchase of the investment has been made prior to uh, 31st January 2018, then a grandfathering clause or the benefit of the grandfathering clause uh, kicks in. For any acquisition of a um, long-term capital asset, which is an equity-oriented mutual fund or an equity share, um, that is purchased after 31st January 2018, your cost of acquisition will be the actual cost of acquisition for the purpose of computing the capital gains. But if the acquisition has happened prior to 31st 30, uh, January 2018, 31st January or prior to that, then you could use the fair market value on that date of that share to be your cost of acquisition. It's an option given to the investor, right? Um, 
And these details actually have to be kept uh, handy at the time of preparing the tax return because all of them, uh, a lot of these details have to be input into the tax return. Let me give a small example to listeners here with respect to the grandfathering clause for long-term capital gains. Say I bought a share in the year 2015 for 100 rupees. I sold that in September 2021 for 200 rupees. Generally, my capital gains would be calculated as 200 minus 100, 100 rupees. But the grandfathering clause says that you can take the market value of the stock as on 31st January 2018 as the cost. In our example, say the stock price as on January 31st 2018 is 150 rupees. I take that as my cost and calculate the ca- capital gains as 200 minus 150, 50 rupees. I can pay tax only on 50 rupees and not on 100 rupees. That's the benefit I get because of grandfathering. But for people who don't know taxes much, I mean, who uh, who are like new to the income tax return filing, you know, these all provisions seem a little overwhelming. So. Can an investor with the details of, you know, when the share was purchased and when it was sold and what is the cost of acquisition and with the sale price, if they key in all these details, will the income tax department website itself will show up, you know, what is the tax amount or is it that we have to calculate separately? But you would need to know which category it fall, uh, falls under, whether it is long term, whether it is short term, whether it, uh, it is purchased prior to 31st Jan 2018 whether it's purchased after that, what is my FMV on 31st Jan 2018, all of these details should be readily available with you. And frankly, most brokerage statements provide these details. They segregate it into short term uh, and long term. They provide right. the FMV uh, on, on uh, the date of, uh, of thir- uh, 31st January. So uh, that makes it easier for the investor to file the tax return. But the base level knowledge about you know, uh, 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 the parameters that I spoke about earlier is going to be critical. Understand, understand, sure. Uh, I I spoke about uh, the tax rate uh, with regard to long-term capital gains, uh, which is uh, at 10%, just to cover very quickly on the short-term capital gains as well, uh, where uh, it is taxed at 15% under section 111A. I'm specifically calling out the provision because even in the ITR form, the provision, section provision is mentioned and it will be easier for the investor to fill in uh, the right, uh, you know, fill in the details in the right section within the ITR. Now, in say uh, I take a, a, a small example. If uh, I've earned capital gains of about one lakh thirty from an equity-oriented uh, scheme in the financial year, short-term equity um, uh, gains as such, then uh, the tax would be at fifteen percent on that income, uh, regardless of uh, the income tax uh, income tax slab that the person falls under. Here, uh, the one lakh exemption that was available for long-term capital gains is not going to be available, and uh, the person is going to be, um, uh, yeah. Uh, but otherwise, a fifteen percent tax is going to be applicable, not the regular uh, tax rate. Understand. So short-term capital gains are taxed at a higher rate when compared to the long-term capital gains. And also the exemption that is available for long-term capital gains, which is the 1 lakh uh, limit, is not available for the short-term capital gains. Talking about this 1 lakh limit, uh, Dapati, so is it on a single share or is it on all the capital gains that a person is uh, having throughout the year? On a consolidated basis. On a consolidated basis. Okay. So now we understood what are these rules. Uh, so there could be also 
uh, times when we incur loss. So we talked about capital gains and how taxes are to be paid and how much taxes is to be paid. Now, what is the tax treatment when there is a loss? So um, the Income Tax Act allows an adjustment of losses against uh, taxable profits. But there are specific rule sets that need to be kept in mind. Uh, instance, sorry to interrupt you. When you talk about adjusting the losses with the profit, so that means I can, you know, say suppose I incur hundred rupees loss here, and if I have, uh, you know, hundred rupees profit somewhere else, uh, can I start? I set, can set it off. I can set it off against each other. Understand, but I'm sure it comes with conditions in taxes. Yes. Yeah, sure. Please go ahead. So, a, a long-term capital loss can be set off against uh, long-term capital gains. Uh, cannot be set off against short-term capital gains. Uh, though both of them fall under the same head of income, which is capital gains. Understand? Can um, you again give us some, you know, uh, example here? So, uh, say I have a long-term capital gains of, as you said, a uh, hundred. I have a short-term capital gains of another hundred. I have a loss of uh, capital. Uh, I have a long-term capital loss of hundred and twenty. I can set off the 120 only to the extent of 100 against the long-term capital gain of 100. I cannot set off the 20 against the short-term capital gain of 100. That excess I can carry forward into the uh, thing because I do not have enough income during the year under capital gains under that particular, I mean long-term uh, short-term uh, under that category to be set off in the current year, so I can carry it forward. Carry it forward in the sense you can carry forward that loss to the next year to adjust the profit in the next year with the loss that we incurred. Against that relevant capital gain section. So okay. short term can be uh, that I'm carrying forward will have to be uh, set off again short term capital gains in the next uh, thing or long term capital gains but long term can be set off only against long term capital gains arising in the subsequent years. This is very <laughs> complex. Long term against long term, short term can be set off against short term and long term. Understand, understand. I hope the you know income tax website actually validates all these things and you know it, it captures uh, the um, long term, the carry forward uh, short term and long term separately. So in the future years, when you have gains, um, you know, uh, the set off will happen uh, as, as prescribed. Understand, understand. Uh, Tapati, you know, I remember hearing somewhere that, you know, if one wants to carry forward uh, some losses, uh, they have to file the income tax return before the original due date. Uh, is that true? Within the due date. So uh, need not be the original due date, the due date shifts, um, uh, you know, uh, year on year depending upon, uh, you know, the, uh, the circumstances. But whatever is the due date for filing of a tax return, you need to file your tax return by that date to be able to, um, uh, 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 you know, carry it forward to the following year. Understand. The losses. So, so currently the, you know, the, the due date is 31st July uh, for all the individuals. So if I want to say, suppose it is not extended to the later date, uh, everybody has to file their uh, returns as on 31st July to carry forward the losses if they have any to the future years, right? That is correct. And there is no such condition for the set-off. Savati, the government introduced AIS, the annual information statement last year. Uh, you know, it was understood that all our market purchase and sale transactions are reflected here. How can a taxpayer make use of this? 
Right. As I said, script by script, uh, the uh, purchase and the sales during the year are captured. But that is not enough to compute your capital gains. You would need to refer to the brokerage statements and actually reconcile it with them. Because? Uh, otherwise, uh, give an example. For any sale that has happened during the current year, you need to match it with the purchase that has been made in an earlier year. Right? Um, right, right. Uh, you would need to capture the purchase date, you would need to capture the purchase value and so on and so forth. And all of these details, you know, whether it's grandfather, not grandfather, it's, it's not captured in the current year AISDIs. Okay. For that, you would need to refer to your own records or preferably, you know, the brokerage statements, because as I said, these days, a lot of detail is already available in the brokerage statement, including the date of purchase, date of sale, the okay. price. FMV on uh, uh, the grandfathering date, which is uh, 31st Jan 2018. All of those details are normally available in the brokerage statements that will help you file, uh, you know, compute your capital gains and reflect it in the right section in your ITR. Understand. Talking about reporting it in the ITR, do I have to report, uh, say, suppose I've bought and sold uh, three different scripts, uh, three different stocks or four different stocks. So do I have to report this capital gains script wise or the stock wise or can I consolidate everything and then report? The key uh, thing that you need to keep in mind is the sale could happen in different time, uh, at different times during the year. You could have a sale in the first quarter, in the last quarter. So all of these details will have to be bucketed in the relevant period um, to ensure that uh, your calculation for um, interest, if any, for advanced tax purposes is uh, computed right. So the, the ITR requires you to uh, classify um, or segregate uh, the capital gains transaction depending upon which quarter it falls under. Understand. Again, Again, um, say for instance, uh, you ha are eligible for the grandfathering clause, the benefit of uh, considering FMV on 31st Jan 2018 for purchases made prior to that. There you have to go script by script. And all those details have to be um, input into the ITR, be it the purchase price, the sale price, um, the grandfathering price, you know, all of those details. So those have to be quite a difficult task. It is. It is. Um, uh, you need, as I mentioned, you need to cap have all of the details available with you at hand when you're preparing the tax return. Uh, preferably, you should make a computation of capital gains ahead of filing the tax return, rather than just starting off with the utility itself, return utility. Understand. Understand. So, um, you know, uh, what are the advanced tax rules for the capital gains uh, that we earn on uh, on our equity investments? Uh, so, in general, um, your advanced tax are to be paid in four installments. That's 15% by 15 June, 45% by 15 September, 75% by 15 December, and 100% by 15 March. But in the case of capital gains, a special rule set has to be there, uh, has to be applied because you can't estimate your capital gains in advance. Absolutely. So your, yeah. so your installment dates um, uh, that fall due after the date of sale are the ones that will apply. And uh, if, if no such inform, uh, installment dates are uh, still pending, then you have to pay your uh, taxes, uh, advance tax by 31st March. 
listeners remember that the advance tax point is only for understanding the time to pay advance taxes for financial year 21 22 is already over you can keep this in uh, you can keep this point in mind for uh, fi 22 23 now uh, we talked about equity investing uh, now let's talk about trading uh, tapati because uh, there are also people who trade uh, on the equity stock markets so if they have if someone has trading income how will that be taxed how is it different from equity uh, investments taxation yeah it's quite different actually so uh, say a trader Uh, buys an equity share from the stock market and retains right. it for more than a day. Uh, we call it an equity uh, delivery trading, as the intent of the purchase is to hold on the share for a time long enough for the ownership to be transferred to the buyer. In this case, the share is delivered into the trader's demat account, and the intention is to earn either a long-term or a short-term capital gains. Uh, it could be treated either as capital gains or a non-speculative business income. Uh, the treatment of this profit or the loss um, as capital gains or non-speculative business income has been a, a matter of dispute with the tax authorities, and to um, with the intent of reducing the quantum of litigation and dispute that may arise uh, from this, uh, the, CD, the CBDT came up uh, with a uniform approach, which okay. basically said that. in case of listed shares and securities okay. it's left to the choice of the taxpayer to report it as income as capital gains or business income if the taxpayer treats the listed shares and securities as stock in trade irrespective of the period of holding then the income would be treated as business income and if the uh, taxpayer treats the listed shares and securities for more than uh, that were that are held for more than 12 months as an investment then the income would be treated as capital gains the only condition that is to be followed is that the uh, same method has to be uh, followed consistently and continuously in subsequent years as well unless there's some major change in the circumstances of that individual understand um, no that but this is applicable when someone is uh, buying the stock and selling the stock in the cash market but if somebody is buying and selling uh, you know a derivative contract in the f and o futures and options then i think that will be directly uh, that should be directly reported under business income irrespective of the volume irrespective of the period is, right that is uh, that is absolutely correct Okay, so all the confusion comes if you are buying and selling uh, the stock in the normal uh, cash market. But if one is trading in the F and O, then definitely it should be reported under business income, right? Business income. And correct. as you started the episode with uh, the ITR forms, you suggested that if somebody has a business income, then ITR three is the uh, correct uh, form. So okay, if somebody trading uh, in the derivative market in the in the in the stock exchange then the applicable income tax return for them is ITR3 right that is right just one other thing to add satya sure uh, if a trader is buying an equity share and sells it on the same day then it's going to be considered to be an intra day trading uh, and the intent yeah. over there is not really uh, it's basically to earn profits from the fluctuation of prices in the in the same single day there again uh, it is uh, to be treated as speculative business income and there the rules are uh, somewhat different in terms of uh, you know you can set it off only against if you have losses you can set it off only against spe- speculative business uh, 
uh, income uh, and so on. So there are some uh, additional rule sets uh, over there. So a little bit of precaution if it is intraday uh, uh, trading. Okay, so uh, just to summarize what you have said, uh, so if it's a trading income, then uh, from the derivative uh, contracts, then it should directly go to business and business income, and it is further divided into two segments. Uh, if it is intraday trading, then it should go as speculative income. If it is uh, non-intraday trading and other FNO transactions, then it should be part of non-speculative business income. And there are some conditional differences between these two, uh, uh, you know, categories, right? Yeah, just the, the only difference is that intraday trading could apply for um, non-FNO trading uh, cases as well, um, where it's uh, you know just an equity share. It doesn't. Uh, it does not need an underlying asset, uh, which is an equity share. It could be a, 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 say, a same day sell, uh, buy sell of an equity share. Sure, sure. But I think the tax rates are same on both the speculative income and the non-speculative income. Right? It'll be uh, as per uh, slab rates, yeah. Slab rates, yes. Okay, yeah. So, uh, just one last question, Dapati, before I let you go. Um, there is a doubt on when should an audit be uh, required, uh, you know, when somebody is having a trading income uh, to set off their losses or to carry forward. Uh, is there any condition of audit requirement when somebody is having a trading income from 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 the you know derivatives yeah there are actually quite a few rule sets uh, over here the the uh, you would need to first and foremost uh, capture the sum of all the transactions the absolute amount um, uh, to be uh, able to capture other uh, or compute other threshold or uh, revenue threshold which uh, forms the basis of determining whether an audit is required, whether books and accounts are required and so on. Um, if uh, the revenue threshold is uh, uh, 10 crore and above, then an audit is required. Again, listeners, the calculation for turnover in this case is slightly different. It is a bit technical. Mint has covered a couple of stories already on reporting uh, trading income in the income tax returns. You can find all these details there. I urge you to check out our stories. Uh, thank you, Tapasi. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been really um, you know, insightful. Thank you, Sapya. That's all for now in this episode, listeners. If you have any queries or suggestions, you can reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Satya Suntanam, S-A-T-Y-A-S-O-N-T-A-N-A-M. Or you can also write to us at mintmoney at livemint.com. Bye-bye. This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.